morning, Community of Grace. It's good to be with you on this second Sunday of December, which also means that it is the second Sunday of Advent. And uh, if you are new and joining us here this morning and don't have a Bible with you, you're going to need one today. So take your Bibles out if you brought one along. Otherwise, our ushers are coming up the aisle. They will have a Quest Bible for you to open up and follow along. We will be in Luke chapter 2 today, continuing on our current sermon series. Now, it is Advent. Advent, a word that comes from the Latin meaning coming or arrival. It's something we are anticipating. And there are three different meanings and understandings of what Advent means historically throughout the church, the way that it is practiced. There is the first Advent, which is that word from God of the past, looking back to the prophets, hearing the word of the Lord, expectantly waiting for a Savior that was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. Then there is a second Advent, a second coming that we prepare for, but that is his coming to us. Is coming to us personally, the arrival of Jesus in our hearts today, in our present place, anticipating, waiting, and longing for him to come and rescue us. And then, of course, there is the third advent, the third coming, and understanding that Jesus will return. Jesus will come again as conquering king in justice and might to make all things right and all things new. Three meanings of advent, and we wait for an arrival. But wait a minute. Isn't Christmas when Jesus arrives? I mean, isn't that kind of the point of Christmas is that that's when we celebrate the birth of Jesus? So what's with all this waiting? Well, many of you may have grown up in a family. Some of you perhaps didn't grow up in a family that celebrated Advent, that worked their way through the season of Advent. That was my experience growing up. We had an Advent wreath on our dining room table, and each week after we attended church on Sunday morning and a candle was lit, we would return back to our home. And sometimes throughout that week, we would have a devotion at our table around dinner time. We'd pull out a devotion, we would light the same candle that was lit that Sunday, and we would share together in what it is that God was preparing us for. And this would happen each week as we progressed slowly towards Christmas. Another day, another Sunday, another candle. Another time of devotion and preparation. But there was something else that I got to enjoy as a young person, and that was something called an Advent calendar. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about an advent calendar. Raise your hand if you have no idea what I'm talking about with an advent calendar. That's really okay. Oh, the vast majority of you know what an advent candle is. A can candle. An advent calendar. I had an advent calendar. It hung on the wall and attached to each of the days as we were making preparations and preparing for Christmas, there was a day and there was a piece of candy. Piece of candy was tied with a little bow to each one of those days. And as each day approached, I got to go up, remember Advent, take off one piece of candy, and know that I was one step closer to Christmas. And man, there seemed like there was a lot of candy. It seemed like it was going to take forever in the eyes of a young person. I mean, can't we just get on with it? Can't we just get to the celebrating of Jesus and his birth and Christmas and the carols and the, the songs and the lights and all of that. Can't we just get there? There's a waiting. There's a waiting that we come into in the season of Advent. 
and it's about lighting the way home. Each candle lighting one part of the journey, fighting back the darkness and bringing further illumination to a dark world. I don't know if you've noticed it, but uh, the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Up here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's something we experience this time of year, that progress towards the winter solstice, when we'll have the longest night of the year. Yet as we press on towards that day, we light another candle. And each candle is a reminder of the arrival of Jesus, awaiting in our hearts for him to come and be with us. So we are lighting the way home during this Advent season. And we started last week talking about the beginning of this journey in building this home. And it starts with laying a foundation. A foundation that's laid in a hope, a hope for a Messiah. Spoken of again and again and again throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah, but in other places, this longing of the hearts of the people of Israel, God's people, waiting for a savior, waiting for a rescuer, waiting for a helper, waiting for God to do something about their current plight, whatever it might be. So we start with that foundation of hope, those words spoken to us from the prophets, reminding us that whatever the current situation is, it's not forever. Whatever the difficulties are that they were facing in those moments, God was on their side, and God knew what he was up to. That's that foundation of hope that is laid. And as we continue on today, we're going to move on to the next part of this structure, a framework of faith. And as we do that, I would invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 38 in Luke chapter 2. I'm not sure exactly which page that is in the Quest Bible, but if you've turned there already, it's a Luke chapter 2. You can move just a little bit further down the page, starting at verse 25. Follow along with me as I read. When the time came... For the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel 
and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Two characters, Simeon and Anna. And you couldn't pick two better characters in the Bible to set the stage for Jesus' coming and to prepare the hearts of us today in Advent. Why? Because these two characters each uniquely are waiting for something. We'll start with Simeon. Simeon, this is the only part of the Bible that this character is ever mentioned. Simeon. Simeon arrives on the scene of our story and it says he was devout and righteous. A true follower of God. But that's not what stands out in particular about Simeon. What stands out about Simeon is the Holy Spirit. Simeon, this devout follower of God, this one who would have known the prophet's words, would have understood the longing and waiting for a Messiah to arrive. He is waiting in particular for the consolation of Israel. That's another word that would be used especially by the rabbis in the time of Jesus and long before to describe this coming Messiah, the consolation of Israel. Now, when I think of the word consolation, I think the first word that comes to mind is the consolation prize, right? In the game show, you know, oh, sorry, you didn't get the biggest prize today, but waiting out there are some steak knives. Enjoy your consolation prize. Well, the word consolation means to console. It means to bring help and comfort to one who is in mourning or to one who is walking through difficult times. The consolation of all of Israel, Israel who has been waiting for a Messiah, Israel who has been challenged in their existence time and time and time again. They've been broken apart. They've been hauled off into slavery. They've been returned back to their land only to see the promise of a Messiah yet to appear. And here's Simeon waiting for the consolation of Israel. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon Simeon. We don't know exactly when this happened, but the image we get from this passage is that Simeon was also advanced in years. Simeon, who had been waiting throughout his entire life, reading the scriptures and expecting that there would come a day when the Messiah would truly appear. But now Simeon is getting a little older. The days are moving by faster. And Simeon is wondering, is this really going to happen? 
And that's where Simeon hears from the Lord. The Holy Spirit speaks to Simeon and gives Simeon a promise. A promise that he will not see the end of his days until he has seen the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody walked into this room right now and said, hey, guess what? I'm not going to die until Jesus returns. You might look at them and say, why don't you have a seat? Are you still on your medication? There would be concern in our hearts for somebody who would say, you know what, the Holy Spirit is on me and the Holy Spirit has spoken to me that this is what's going to happen. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit has said to come to this place on this day and wait for it. You might think that person is crazy. And how many days have gone by in Simeon's life? We don't know. But I anticipate that the reason that Simeon is brought up in this story is that for many days, he has walked around with this promise in his heart. He's probably shared it with some of those closest to him. And I'm guessing those who knew Simeon best may have been amongst those who went, ha, ah, ah, Simeon, you're so funny. Thinking that God would actually speak something like that to you. Day after day, Simeon waits. Simeon trusts. Simeon sees his days growing shorter. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to him to show up at the temple on one particular day. The day when Jesus would be brought and when a sacrifice would be made in the honor of this firstborn child. So in come the parents of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, carrying this child in their arms, waiting to come and present this offering. And there's Simeon. Simeon who has been waiting. Simeon who has heard this promise from the Lord. Simeon who is filled with faith. And he sees the child. And his heart is lifted. And he comes to the parents and says, may I hold the child? And he takes Jesus into his arms and says, oh Lord, you have kept your promise. Now you can let your servant depart in peace. For I have seen what it is that you have said. And not only is this child come for me, but for the entire world. As he speaks out saying that he will be a light to the Gentiles. Nobody would have believed Simeon. I mean, this Messiah was meant to come and restore Israel, right? Was meant to come and bring Israel back to greatness, right? But Simeon knew the truth. Simeon knew his scriptures. Simeon knew what the prophets said, that amidst all of those discussions and descriptions of a mighty returning king in which Jesus certainly will return someday, in his first arrival, he would come as a child. In his first arrival, 
He would come to challenge. He would come to be a prophet and a king and a priest in his own right. And Simeon holds this child, speaks these words to his parents, places the child back in Mary's arms, and then says, Mary, I want you to know something else about this child. This child is going to bring the rising and the falling of many within Israel. He knew. He understood what the prophets also said about what would happen to this Messiah, the one who would be bound and bruised and whipped and ultimately crucified on a cross. Simeon didn't see any of that in his life. But Simeon had faith that in his life he would see Jesus. And then there's Anna. Anna the prophetess. Anna the old woman. That's what it says. I'm not making it up. It says she was very old. Now, some of the texts say that she lived for 84 years after she had been married for seven years. It says in this particular translation that she was 84 years old. We're not quite sure which one of those is the truth, but in any event, Anna is elderly, and she has been alone for ages. Decades and decades going by as a widow. Now, times were difficult for widows in Jesus' time. They're always difficult, but they were particularly difficult in the time of Jesus. A widow was left with nothing but the charity of those around her. A widow who didn't have a child could expect nothing for their future. Widows were alone. Widows were often forgotten. And Anna comes to the temple every day. Every day. For decades, Anna comes and she prays and she fasts. She is waiting for something. She is waiting for a redeemer. She is waiting for someone who will come and free Israel. Someone who will come and free Jerusalem. Someone who will come and make things right. And in her heart she is longing. Day after day after day. You'd have to imagine that those who are seeing Anna walking into the temple courts day after day after day and year after year after year might start to take pity on Anna. But Anna does not have pity on herself because she has hope and she has a promise. She has a promise that there will be a redeemer. There will be one who will come to set the prisoners free at great cost, because that's what it means to redeem. It means a price has been set for the freedom of a slave. 
and all those who are in bondage and in darkness. A price must be paid for their freedom. That price would come through the Messiah, a redeemer who would come. Simeon and Anna, they're waiting for the promise. They're longing for the promise. That word longing, to be doing something for a long time, to be in the longing means you know that it's not coming soon. But that's the place that both Simeon and Anna find themselves. Longing. It's a longing of their hearts. It's not just something in their heads that they've imagined and said, oh, okay, that's right, yep, a Messiah's coming someday. Yep, that's great, but let me get on with my work today. Not for Simeon and for Anna. Simeon and Anna are Advent people. They are expecting a coming. They are expecting an arrival. And they are willing to wait. Because they believe. They have faith that they will see the Messiah. You got to have some faith. And you got to believe some things when they're not yet in front of you. My brother is building a house right now. Some of you have probably built homes and been in that process of building a home. Well, his home is due to be moved into on the 20th of December. You know what the 20th of December happens to be? Shortest day of the year. But he's been anticipating. He and my sister-in-law have been waiting, preparing, and every once in a while, he'll snap a picture and, and show it up on Facebook of what the progress is. And the first picture that he posted up on Facebook was a picture of a foundation. There's not a lot but hope when you see a foundation, right? You have no idea what's actually going to be on this foundation. You're not sure that it's ever going to be completed. But you've got some hope because there's a foundation, but then as the days progress and as they move along, some other pictures started to emerge. Some pictures of a framework. Now when you see the framework being built of the house, now you trust and know that there's probably going to be a house in the end someday. You can see what the outline looks like. You can go inside and see where the walls will be. You can start to imagine yourself being in that place. You can see that there's going to be a covering on it eventually. It's going to be filled with everything that you have planned for the inside of this place. The framework is there. But you still haven't seen the end. But you believe. You believe. That's what my brother's been doing to this point, believing. Believing that a time will come when we'll move in. We've heard it said that seeing is believing. But in the eyes of Anna and in the eyes of Simeon, believing is seeing. Believing precedes seeing. They both waited and longed and believed that there was a promise. And in faith, they lived their lives each day with an expectancy, with a longing in their heart that they would see the Savior. They believed the promise. They had faith that what God had said to them would come to pass. 
So my question for you today is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What is the longing of your heart today? If I were to walk around this room and ask each of you, I would probably get a different answer. Some would be a longing for a child to return back to the faith. Others might speak of a longing that their marriage would be restored. Others might be speaking of a a longing for a new job or a new opportunity to come your way. There are so many different things that apply in the longing of our hearts. But where's the promise? Well, the promise is in Jesus. And it's not a promise that everything that we believe is going to come to pass. It's a promise that the one who comes to save and rescue us will certainly come and be with us in that. He will be with us in our suffering. He will be with us in our joy. He will be with us in our longing. He will meet us right in those places, those places where the hurt is the deepest, those places where you may feel like you are crazy for believing anything at all. And when the world around you may think that you are crazy. But here's the promise, friends. The promise is Jesus. And in Jesus, the promise says to us that you will not be forgotten or be left alone. In this season of the year, as people prepare for Christmas, for many it's a time of joy, but for others it is a time of reminder. A reminder of something they've lost or someone they've lost or of better times, or of whatever it might be that, that sits in the depths of your heart, waiting. And it can come in a place of darkness. But when you believe in the promise, when you believe that you will see God at work, you can know that you are not forgotten or alone. God has not forgotten you, He does not leave you alone. You are a person of great value, of immeasurable value, each and every one of you. And God promises that he will be with you. And he has fulfilled that promise in Jesus. And we read about it and think back to it and prepare for it for 2,000 years ago, but we are reminded again today, friends, that Jesus is coming to each of us. That the promise of salvation, the promise of hope, the promise of a future, the promise of one who will console you in your most difficult times, who will comfort you and help you, who has redeemed your life at great cost. At the cost of Jesus himself, sacrificing himself for you. Friends, you are not forgotten or alone. You are not worthless and you are not crazy. Trust in the promise. Believe in the promise. Believing is seeing. And when you come here on Christmas Eve, may you see Christ once again born anew in your heart and born in the heart's of others. So believe the promise for yourself and then share the promise with someone else. 
There are a group of folks who are downstairs every night throughout December from Project Home. And we're providing a, a roof over their heads, a place for them to sleep where it is warm and safe. And what a true blessing that is. But you know that there are also longings on the heart of every one of these people. Places of disappointment, times of hurt, life not working out the way that they expected. And they're looking for hope. Will you share it with them? Will you be someone who will not just be a fly on the wall, but speak eye to eye with these dear people and remind them of their value. Tell them they are not forgotten. Let them know they are not alone. And speak to them the promise of Jesus, the promise that comes to each of us. Comfort those who are in need. Bring that hope to those who are downstairs in this building or out in the streets in your neighborhood or to that friend at work who you can see is struggling at this time of year, to that widow or widower who you know is experiencing their very first Christmas alone. Let them not be alone. Let them know the presence of Jesus, the one who comes to bring comfort, the one who comes to bring life, life eternal. So we're gonna pray. And as we take this time to pray, it is my hope that each of us would take a moment to express the longing of our hearts silently before the Lord. What is it you are waiting for? And where is your hope placed? Let's pray. Father, in this season of waiting, we quiet our hearts. In this time of preparing for your arrival and for your coming, we are reminded of those who have waited before. Of those who have waited through the pain and difficulties of life. Of those who have felt separated and cut off. And we're reminded of each person in this room, each one who is longing for something today. Longing for friendship, longing for hope, longing for a new opportunity, longing just to be seen. Father, we believe that you have sent Jesus and that you are still sending him into our hearts today. We believe because we have seen your goodness at work. We have seen it on the cross. We have seen it down through the generations. We have seen it in the past, and because of that, we trust that we will see it in the future. Give us hope, Lord, and give us great faith, a framework of faith, of things that we have not yet seen, but we trust will come because you are coming. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and be born again in our hearts today. Remind us of your redemption. 
bring us comfort and hope to each heart that is lifted before you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.